Putin Bratwurst. Hello and welcome to Putin Bratwurst. This is the 28th of March. Philip, are you there? I am, I am. How are you doing? Um, pretty good. I am staying at home. I'm sitting there and, you know, doing the things you do when you're stuck at home all day. But mm. um, if you guys who are listening to this are in the staying at home blues, uh, we have some good news because this is a special weekend. Um, we are planning to mix things up a little. And uh, today and tomorrow we're going to record an episode and we're going to have guests. And uh, Philip, do you want to do us the honor of introducing our first guest? Absolutely. Uh, a friend of mine who's a listener to the podcast is uh, joining us uh, this uh, weekend. Uh, Ronan, how are you here? Can you hear us? I can hear you well. Can you hear me well? Perfectly. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Staying at home, you know. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I really like this podcast. Um, I, was especially, I just want to say that, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, but also, I really enjoyed the, all your guys' recommendations. I wrote them down. Um, and especially for the board games, too, when I'll have a chance to buy them, I'll, I think that's something that uh, I'm looking forward to trying, as well as your show recommendations. They're, nice. They look really cool. Glad to hear that. Mm -hmm. So, um, Ronan, you're a friend of, um, of Philip. Yes. So, um, why, why don't you guys tell us how, how you got to know each other and... Uh, What, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing. So it's, it's, it's funny. The first time we met is, uh, do you remember the first time we talked? <laughs> I do. Great. <laughs> do, you want to tell, do, you, do you want to tell what I was doing? Sure. So, <laughs> you know, when you start your first day of university, one of the first things you do is uh, go pick up your student ID, right? Yeah. Um, and at the University of Toronto, it's a pretty huge university. Uh, a kilometer long lineup as far as i remember <laughs> forever yeah um you know i'm waiting in line and then i realized oh wait a minute that's that's a guy from my program i think i think i saw him in the you know in the intro classroom uh and i was just waiting there then i see him and then the only thing i see him do is just starting hitting on this girl that's right <laughs> and i'm like Wow, okay, this guy, this guy is great. <laughs> this guy's horny. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I was like, she's stuck in line with me anyway, so let's not just just try to seduce her, you know? <laughs> so so you were you were interrupting him, hitting on the girl, or what did you do? <laughs> I just uh, took my first notes of impression of him. <laughs> kept, it, kept it quiet to myself. Uh, Philip is quite the charmer, I, I know that. Oh, that's Absolutely. not true. That's not true. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and the, the second time we, we, we hang out, as I can remember, is you, we, we did a road trip to Montreal together. Am I, is that correct? I mean, it, I'm not exactly sure how it came to be that we ended up going together, given that we didn't know each other, right? Right, yeah. We talked after, <laughs> after that time, the student ID thing. We just talked about our, you know, uh, from what I remember, like, oh, you know, are you from Toronto? You know, that's the classic stuff. And um, and then yeah, I think we posted on Facebook or you did on the group of the the university that you're going to Montreal. And for international listeners, it's what uh, six hours drive Toronto to Montreal. Yeah, it's a six hour drive. <laughs> right. Wow. So uh, yeah, so you just offered that, and I remember we jumped in um, another of our common friend, um, also a Quebecois, and we we went. And I remember we we talked. I sat in the front with you, and we talked. Uh, I mean, from what I remember, most of the way uh, back and forth. So uh, yeah, and it's actually quite topical because we we were listening to a lot of music, and mm -hmm. you know, your last episode was all about music. So the three of us shared each other's favorite tunes, and you know, we had tons of time to do that. And I thought it was mm -hmm. a really cool bonding moment. Nice. One of my favorite. One of my favorite moments was. Uh, do, do you know that uh, Simon? Do you know that in in Montreal they do amazing bagels? Amazing bagels? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a city that is known to make great, great bagels. And I thought it, I thought it was a, a New York thing. Uh, maybe it's a New York thing too. But uh, I know I know for a fact that the Montreal ones are, are, are pretty good. And, nice. And this guy just comes in with a massive plastic bag <laughs> of bagels. Like, 
30 plus bagels. And he's like, do you want a bagel? Like, like just like a dry, like non-cooked one. I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'll try it. And they're great. So since then, I know good bagels can be eaten raw, you know? <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, Ronan, you, um, uh, Philip told me a little bit about yourself. And uh, you do have a very interesting backstory. So you're not born in Canada, is that right? That's correct. So tell us a little bit about um, about your backgrounds. And I, I heard you have quite an, an international background, actually. Uh, yeah, so I was born in Israel, mm-hmm. um, but my parents weren't. My parents were born in Uruguay in South America. Wow. Um, and before that, well, my grandparents were also born there, but my great-grandparents come from Europe, from various parts. Uh, so I'm, originally, I would say I'm half Polish, a quarter Lithuanian, and a quarter Turkish. Wow. And during... <laughs> During World War II, or just years before World War II, uh, you know, as things start to get a little weird, um, they all kind of ended up on boats and somehow in out of all countries in South America and Uruguay. Um, so then my parents got married there. You know, they, the Jewish community was built there. It's a couple thousand people. We got married. They moved to Israel for their careers. I was born there, grew up there. Um, I actually grew up in a kibbutz. I'm not sure. Do you know what a kibbutz is? I do know what a kibbutz, but maybe maybe uh, some of our listeners don't know it. So maybe you want to explain it. Yeah. So a kibbutz is a it's a it's pretty much a commune, um, lack of a better word. So even before the creation of the state of Israel in nineteen nineteen forty eight, years before that, the first Jewish people to settle in the in the land were were socialist Jews from Eastern Europe who had a utopian dream of creating the perfect 300 people, person, agrarian community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, I grew up at a time where obviously the, the dreams of this community were slowly fading away in this hyper-capitalist world. That said, a lot of the values remained. And so that's where I grew up, which was a really fascinating experience, I think, for myself. It was very liberating. Um, and at the age of 13, I moved to Canada. And in Canada, I lived in very many different places, um, starting from the area of Toronto and then every single province to the east. Uh, I'm not sure if how familiar you are with um, Canadian um, geography, uh, but I lived in... Yeah, I, I always get, um, like every time Philip tells me something about the geography, I, I mix it up. I, I end up mixing up uh, which is which city is uh, above um, California and which is above New York. It's it's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I, I lived in quite a few different places. Um, my fa- I would say I would just sum it up with my favorite place to live was on a lighthouse. Oh, nice. It was in part of a very remote province called Newfoundland. Um, I lived there for four months, and that was quite the experience. Wow! Um, and now I live in Ottawa. Wow, that's quite the, quite the background. Um, so, do you do you still have um, you still have family in in Uruguay, don't you? Yes, almost my entire family lives there. Wow! How how about Israel? Is there your family? Your parents are, are they still there? No. So we all moved to me, my brother, and my two parents. We moved to uh, Canada together. So now I don't have family in Israel. Mm, okay, I see. So, um, and what about your? What are you doing in Canada? If you want to tell tell us as much as you wanted to share. Sure. Um, what am I doing now? Now I am mostly. I would call myself a workaholic at this point. Oh. Um, uh, working at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, I've been. Uh, it's can really believe that I ended up getting a chance to work there and now I'm sticking around and they haven't kicked me out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really liking it and I'm just spending a lot of time right now trying to, I don't know if it's move up the ladder, but, um, I think we could say that. We could say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As you have to know, Simon, that I don't know if it's the same in Germany, but working in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs here is very, very competitive. So, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's very hard to get a job there and, like, stay there. Uh, what, there but, it, but if yeah. you if you work, for, aren't you, um, like in Germany, uh, when you work for the state, 
normally your contract is kind of fixed for life unless you really fuck up bad. Exactly. So the idea is that for you to get the, it's called indeterminate job, mm -hmm. um, you have to work really hard, at least in this ministry, to prove yourself to be given that opportunity. It doesn't, it, it takes a while. Like there's a sort of a backlog. There's a lot of empty spots. And so they fill them up with people who work for one-year contracts, ah. um, but they aren't quite, they're very hesitant and incapable of giving full life contracts yet. Okay. Yeah, so the, the, the more hype the ministry is, usually the more demand or the more people are willing to work for it, yeah. the hardest it is. Like if you want to work for fisheries, for example, no offense for fisheries worker, I'm sure it's pretty, it's very much, much easier to get a permanent position there than in the and foreign affairs. You move up the ladder faster, you yep. get paid more, but for some reason, people, including myself, <laughs> now are just, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how is it, uh, so for you right now, during this, uh, this corona crisis, can you still go to the office? Do you have to do home, work, uh, home office? So how, how has your work life and your daily life changed in that situation? Yeah, I mean, of course, for all of us, it's been incredibly weird experience eh? um, at the ministry they I think we were delayed in our reaction by a couple of days compared to many other places right I started uh, working from home before you I remember yeah I thought my last day at the office was last Wednesday um, so I think quite a few people were already like well settled in into their house mm -hmm. buckled in um, Yeah, now everyone is working from home. We have a very tight list of people who have, even have access should they have to go for any reason. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not one of them. <laughs> and it's in terms of experience, it's been weird. I mean, I have to share a very tight space in downtown Ottawa with uh, my roommate. Um, it's okay. I actually wanted to ask your opinion on this. My dad lives in the city by himself. Oh. And he... You know, he, he has like an underlying condition. So obviously he's a person in, in at risk. So my thought is actually after this podcast to move to his place temporarily, you know, to help him out. Do you think that's a bad idea or is that that's totally normal to, you know, to be there, support him and make sure he stays home? Well, I um, first of all, I, um, I can only give you my opinion. Like my my family, um, my family lives in, in, in Bavaria and South Germany. And uh, I'm hesitant to visit them even for e for the Easter period because I'm just afraid I might bring some some uh, some virus uh, down there. Even though I'm I'm not feeling sick right now, so you know you you might you might have the virus right now, and if you go to him, he might get it and might be really sick. So that's that's one thing I would be concerned about. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I I think you have to decide. So. I think if it if it were my grandpa or my dad um, who was in that situation, I'd probably just offer him my help bringing stuff to him. But it's really difficult to really live together with someone, and you know he he should be isolated, I guess. Hmm. I just wonder, like, if I don't have the virus, right? Asymptomatic, let's say, and so if I go there. Um, And I don't have it, then we kind of start from zero. No, no, you, you get it. You don't because because you don't know if you don't have it right now. So many, I mean, there are many people who just don't show any symptoms. For instance, I think almost all children don't show any symptoms. So you might be carrying it right now, and just and your body just doesn't react to it. So you're just hmm. dangerous for other people and not for your own health. Interesting. Okay, maybe I'll, uh, I'll keep thinking about it. I, I, I hope it wasn't too depressing. And I'm, again, I'm not a doctor, but that's just the way, um, like, as far as I'm, uh, as I know from uh, reading the news, I think you, you should um, maybe think about uh, doing it a different way. The, the only thing, the only way it would be possible, basically, if you guys could live different bathroom, different everything, uh, probably. That is an option. If you have absolutely no contact and share no goods whatsoever, uh, you know, don't don't exchange towels or don't nothing. You know what I'm saying? This is a really difficult time for 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 all parents and grandparents. Everyone yeah. who's who's at an elder age. It's like my my grandma is turning 90 
in yeah. uh, I think end of next week, mm-hmm. and there's no one gonna show off. I, I mean, it's it, it might you know you don't know how long how long these people are gonna be around anyways. So it's really sad that no one no one's gonna be able to visit them because everyone is is a potential threat to them. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know every day we have the news uh, with the the guy I told you about last week, and he, he keeps saying like. You know, weddings and funerals, uh, please, mm. please don't. Because there was a case here in Quebec, there was a wedding of 300 people, and it was discovered the week afterward that the 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 woman was getting married at it. So now they're like, oh, how many people did she kiss that day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's so. actually, you know, that's how uh, the coronavirus was introduced to Uruguay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I read about lady. that. You did, eh? It's yeah. insane. Now, um, I don't know the story. Please tell me. Um, sure. So there's a lady, I forget if she went, she went to, I think she went to Italy and she lives in, uh, you know, in, in the upscale neighborhood of Montevideo, the capital city. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where most of my family lives in too. And just, it's quite, it's a small country. So everyone kind of knows where everything is and it's very easy to tell if that makes sense. Um, so she came back to the country and she carried the virus and then she went to, I think she went to a wedding, and again, like she kissed everyone, like in Uruguay, everyone you give you give a kiss to everyone when you when you see them. So the whole thing, you know, she infected like over fifty people easily. I don't know the exact number, but like she just made the whole thing an outbreak in the country. Um, and even after they unfolded the story, this lady hasn't stopped going out and doing whatever she wanted and go to the gym and whatever. And she just doesn't realize, like she's not accepting the reality and everyone That's is terrible. very upset at her. That's terrible. And this, people are pressing charge, charges against her. Yeah, it should be criminal. Oh, mm-hmm. um, now, um, I, we, we wanted to go a little bit uh, deeper into, into the situation in Uruguay and uh, potentially in Israel as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, but we want to do it in the next take. So for the first take, um, I don't know if you know, but uh, we have on this podcast we have a, a playlist on Spotify. It's the uh, Putin Bratwurst um, playlist, and mm-hmm. um, so um, we each week we try and put uh, three songs each on the playlist. So I wanted to ask you: Do you have a first song, uh, Ronan, that you would like to put on our playlist? Oh, that is a fun question. I do. Um, I'm just thinking off the top of my head right now, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to share the songs with you. Is this something you want right now, or do you want me to? Um, we would like if if you have something you can say right now, then that would be nice because we our dream is that people listen to it uh, in between listening to uh, to the takes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would. I'm really into electronic music, mm-hmm. uh, but all different var- variations of it. And so I would suggest for people to check out a guy named Jay Picone. So J-A-I-P-I-C-C-O-N-E. And the song and the track is called Care. Highly recommended. All right, cool. Put it on there. Yes. Um, I chose a song that's uh, pretty fitting to our to the situation. It's by Bob Dylan and it's called The Times They Are Changing. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a good song. Mm-hmm. How about you, Philip? I, w- I went for something uh, to put the moral up, you know, something funky. Uh, I went for a good old band called Parliament, classic of funk of the 70s with the song Handcuffed. If that song doesn't bring you a smile, I don't know what will. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, I hear you guys in a moment here at Poutine Bloodfrost. It is the brightest star in the night sky. It is responsible for rising and falling water levels at American shores each year. It creates millions of vicious werewolves each month. It is the home of one of America's biggest threats, the man on the moon. And it needs to be stopped. That's why President Donald J. Trump demands the complete destruction of the moon once and for all. Boom! Join President Trump's quest for a moon-free sky. It's going to be beautiful. A drastic reduction in werewolf-related casualties. America's 68th most crucial cause of death. They're vicious as hell. The end of America's most wanted man. The man on the moon. A vicious, horrible person. 
valuable resources such as moon water and hidden Nazi gold. I'm going to make our country rich again. And finally, the full replacement of the moon by President Donald J. Trump's very own Trump star. I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message. Welcome back to Putin Bratwurst. Um, today we have a very special episode. Philip uh, and I are joined by Philip's good friend Ronan. And Ronan has um, quite an interesting background. He's lived in uh, uh, quite some uh, a different number of countries and has connections to those countries. Um, one of these countries is Uruguay. And um, so I have a question about that. Since uh, the coronavirus is uh, roaming all around the place, um, As far as I know, in Uruguay, we, you only have around 400 um, cases, which are mostly in Montevideo. So um, even though Uruguay is one of the most advanced countries in South America, I was wondering, uh, Ronan, what do you think about um, if, if um, the coronavirus um, um, is going to increase the numbers in uh, Uruguay as much as it did, for instance, in Italy or as it is right now in the U.S.? Do you think the healthcare system in Uruguay is going to stand an outbreak like that? Uh, I must say I'm not a, quite familiar with the healthcare. Uh, you know, just kind of like the common citizen, average person. You know, I don't know what like the capacity would be or surge capacity, but I can say that um, if you think that in your country, like in Germany or in Canada, it might we might not stand a chance like or Italy or Spain, then in South American countries certainly are not gonna have a good time. And um, I guess it really depends on how many people listen to the directions, right? The whole flattening the curve thing. If 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 it works, it works. But uh, it's I know right now that um in Montevideo you have one of the most iconic things of the city is that all across the the ocean or the river it's mostly a river opening there uh there's a giant walkway right where it's it's kilometers over kilometers across the entire city it's just a beautiful like a kind of like a boardwalk right and a lot of people especially the older people love walking there and do running and biking and it's very active and people don't stop doing it now people are going all out like they usually do and so i know my family members are quite upset at these people for still putting themselves out there like that um i don't know you know you know like the latin countries i find the they have to change their norms a little bit more than in canada or in germany people hug each other more kiss each other more yeah. you know it's a little bit more like that so i wonder how they're holding up with that i'm it's very curious It, how is the, um, then, um, you know, one of the big issues that the U.S. is facing right now is their pretty bad situation in terms of um, healthcare insurance and, you know, people just being able to to pay for their bills and to see a doctor as soon as they feel sick. How is it over there? Are people generally, um, is there a, a state, uh, an official way to, to be insured or how is it, how does, how does it work? Um, I actually... To be completely honest, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't lived in the country um, and I guess I haven't done my research on that. exactly. Okay. But I do know that uh, the country, Uruguay, is quite progressive um, and it's quite known for that in comparison to the rest of the, of the region. And they have a lot of uh, progressive elements to it, but they don't have the resources, right? They don't have the fiscal capacity to really implement a lot of their big ideas so um you know poverty is still a huge thing you, you know you have i think it's 20 now that's in like pretty severe poverty um it used to be a lot worse uh but can you just imagine with that percentage right now and then people losing their jobs and i'm not sure i think it's gonna be it's gonna be very complicated the um, one of the neighbors of Uruguay um, is Brazil, where mm -hmm. things are looking way darker than they than they do in Uruguay. So um, how, I, I'm not too aware of the situation between the neighbors in that area, but I could imagine it might be a tense situation nevertheless. So could you maybe give us a, a little bit of insight on, on that? Um, I'm not... Uh... 
hundred percent. Like again, uh, I'm not an expert or keeping up too much. As much as actually, I'm with the Israeli news. Uh, but I would say that um, you know the 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 borders between the countries are generally very open. Uh, it would be good to find out whether they're actually decided to close them right now. I wouldn't be surprised if they have. Um, yeah, I mean Brazil itself is quite controversial right now, isn't it? Because they have they've made the they're a little hesitant, if I'm not mistaken, with how they're dealing with with the virus. But I believe that they backtracked for themselves, and now they're a bu- a more proactive in their their reaction to the to the coronavirus. And I don't know if you've you've heard anything on that, but I believe that you know originally Bolsonaro was wasn't doing the job that many other world leaders were doing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's changing now, and I think they're becoming more and more coming back on par with the rest of the world. Philippe, are you still there? Do you, do you want to add, do you want to add a, uh, do you have a question about uh, South America or Uruguay? Otherwise I would like to switch to Israel. I have a question, but it's just, it's unrelated to coronavirus. And it's just that I, one thing I love, and I know it's a bad thing to love is I love to know what countries say about each other, like neighbor countries. (laughs) I love to hear uh, Korean talk about Chinese or Japanese Mm -hmm. or, I, it's just something that I find yeah, very you love, interesting. You love hate, then, I guess. <laughs> yes, I'm a, I'm a hateful <laughs> person. No, but, but it's, it's just that I find it fascinating, you know, because we have uh, ideas about people based on where we're from, but neighbor countries have usually very different visions of each other. Do you know mm. what people... I just, just a question just popped in my head. Do you know what people of Uruguay say of people from Brazil? Do you know what... Like, what's, the, what's their take on them? Do you know? Um, so I'll tell you one thing. Everyone hates Argentina. Oh, <laughs> whoa, shit. Whoa. <laughs> I see. Not, not, not all of Argentina, but people from Buenos Aires specifically. Okay. Um, Do you know Buenos what? Yeah, yeah, of course. Buenos Aires is, you know, the regional capital with, for everything that has to do with, you know, the entertainment industry and the shows and the music and, and fame. Um, so people from particular, even neighborhoods within Buenos Aires are, they have terms that, that are other Argentinians call them, uh, like, you know, more of the poshy people. And they are known, you know, it, it's a hit or miss, but they're quite pretentious. And it's very difficult mm. to like be in the presence of some of these people because they're, very yeah it's it's so obnoxious so you know Uruguayans recognize that people within Argentina outside of the that region recognize that um even Mexicans don't like Argentinians um and so if if in Mexico there's yet yeah, there's that reaction then everywhere to the south is kind of similar and there's that recognition um Chile is a country that I think a lot of people around the region recognize as the odd bird they're quite different in some of them oh wow (laughs) you know they have a different history they're a lot more on the right wing historically and 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 they they're a very organized country unlike the rest of the region um so i think there's a there's, there's they have this weird distinction like a weird a different odor to them compared to the rest and for Uruguay, I would say that um, no one really thinks about us. You know, we're a small country down there. With I think it's a very humble country, right? Very progressive uh, as well. Yeah, it's progressive. It's quiet. It's it's doing its thing, right? Yeah. Known for its uh, as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah, passionate soccer, proud of it. But other than that, it's a country with not much going on to it in a good and a bad way. Now. Um... A lot more. Uh, we hear a lot more in the news about um, the situation in Israel, where um, they mm-hmm. started very strict um, measures of complete isolation. Um, I think right now they have around three thousand five hundred cases, which is ridiculously low compared to Europe. Um, so, what can you tell us about that situation? You know, it's ridiculously slow compared to Europe, but when you look at the at the graph, right, of the of how it's increasing. You know, two days ago, it was a 2,000. Today, it's 3,000. Three, yeah. Five days ago, it was in 1,000. So it's incredible to see how the graph rises like that. And it just makes you wonder, for how long is it going to continue? Is it yeah, the curve is not looking good. It's not looking good at all. It's very mm-hmm. exponential. 
Um, so that's scary. Um, you know, they were able to run an election during this time. Yeah. Uh, they set up special voting booths for people who were diagnosed with the virus. Um, you know, I think they're, they have a certain admirable level of organization and, and capacity to react. I'm not sure if it's enough. I'm not sure if anywhere is enough. Uh, but they're, you know, people are taking it quite seriously there. But then I'm seeing a lot of, you know, articles and, and videos. You can go on YouTube to see how, you know, a lot of people don't don't like to listen to these things. They don't want to stay at home. And so the police seem to be working very hard these days to make sure people actually stay at home because they're supposed to. Now, um, but but how long can a, a country, especially one um, one like like Israel, where where the, the the geographics by itself are, let's say, um, the the situation with Israel's neighbors are um, are quite mm -hmm. difficult. So, how long can the country survive in a situation where where there's so such a strict isolation due to the virus economically? So, I think the one. Important element to remember is that Israel doesn't trade a whole lot with its neighbors. Yeah. Um, so most of its, you know, products, if it's not produced internally, it comes through through the docks, the shipping docks. So it's, I think it's a similar question that most countries have. It's it's equal in terms of its relevance because um, they never really relied on its neighbors. Like you know, not that it's close neighbors, but that's no, no, that's no. not necessarily an advantage, is it? It's absolutely not an advantage. It just kind of exemplifies, I suppose, the the reality of an island, let's say. Yeah. Um, but how long would it last in terms of? I, I don't think that they have the the, the agricultural capacity to build, to be self sufficient. I don't think. Uh, and that's not. Th that's why I'm asking because um, one of the, the greatest supporters of Israel is the United States, where right now they are number one. Trump made it; they, he made America number one again when it comes to Corona <laughs> statistics. So, um, where um, I'm, I was wondering um, if if that's something that that also might threaten the situation in Israel, like the American politics. Um, well, the situation that if America has problems producing and has might have problems shipping, um, that that you you guys over there might have issues as well. I mean, you obviously have um, other countries to support and to trade do trade with, but again, you are very much reliant on on uh, products being shipped in and and fly uh, flown in. So, what you know. Do you think it's um, that this is gonna be might be a problem for the country? You know, I, I the more I think about it, if and it's actually funny because I work in international trade at the ministry, and so one of the things we're working on really hard right now, you know, is the promotion of Canada is similar to Israel is a trading based nation, and so the idea is that Canada is interested in ensuring that. Um, Uh, trade remains open across the world, despite what's going on, and I'm sure that Israel is interested in doing that. So, if in a situation that we're in months in this in this scenario, and countries are becoming more protectionist, which is has already been um, a pattern, but it hasn't been a pattern for more of the basic goods, like when we're talking agriculture, it's less than it hasn't been on on that front. But if it's becoming to it's getting to that level, I think that. Israel, among many other countries, are going to be in big trouble. Uh, how long would it take? Would it take for this to, to be an issue? I'm not sure. Um, but it's something, it's a really good question. Um, I wonder what that means. I know in Canada, we have surplus in agriculture, right? Yeah. Um, when it comes down to it, I'm sure, and it's not ideal economically at all, but with all the wheat and, and things growing out west, um, I'm sure the country could be fed over and over again just with this, you know, with that material. Do you see this? This might be a little bit too optimistic, but do you see any any hope in that situation for the country of Israel and its uh, um, and its close neighbors? Do you see that see that maybe this is something that could help overcome some of the bias and the the hate that is on 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 the sides there? 
Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I was expecting that answer to be honest, unfortunately. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. I just I, I wish I wish it would have done something, right? But uh, one must think, okay, we have a global crisis that's affecting everyone. But we still have our views about territory and religion and all that. And as soon as, let's say, this crisis is fixed, I think everything will go back to normal on those issues, unfortunately. Okay. Philippe? I don't have much to add, honestly. Uh, I feel my questions are, are dumb. You know, you guys have a deep conversation. I'm at the level, what, I, what I'm thinking about is much more um, jolly, you know, if I could put it that way. Uh, <laughs> you, you, can, you can throw in a jolly question just just because I'm I'm trying to to um... I, I know I know the answer, but I, I think our listeners might be interested. But I know Ronan is a big fan of football, uh, soccer, you know. Mm. And since you have so many um, origins, uh, what is your team? Who do you support in, in a World Cup? That is a very good question. Um, so it's. It's a good question, but it's not a hard one for me to answer, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because out of all my origins, yeah, only one is one decent. country that made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> want to speak with, want you to speak with your heart, not your brain. Right. Like you're, you're where your heart is with. Is it with Canada? Maybe, but they suck. So yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so let's put it this way: I'm I'm a hybrid between an Israeli, Canadian, Uruguayan. Mm -hmm. um, those three countries don't really get to play each other that much. Right. Um, Poland, I put out of the equation. I I am Polish as well. I'm just not really connected a whole lot, um, so I don't really care. Uh, so I would say that, for example, I, I cheer for Uruguay in all the games. I follow them not only because they're you know my family comes from there, but because they're an awesome team. Like they're really good and fun to watch. Like it's a high quality level. Israel sucks. So when you watch an Israeli game against any European country, because they compete in the European competitions, it's... Like, they get it's, wrecked. They get wrecked. It's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, and, like, you know, people are very hopeful there, you know. They, at least in the media, they really hope that this, this year will be it. This year will be the year that we'll make it to the Euro Cup or to the World Cup. And then they get wrecked by Slovenia and, and you know, and like whatever. Like Germany's not even. I thought of the question. That we well, well, look at so, look at Germany last time when they got wrecked by South Korea. So you know, don't don't stop stop believing. Yeah, yeah, no. So, but that's the thing. Don't stop believing. Uh, the national anthem is called hope, which means that you always have to have hope. Nice. Um, so when Israel plays Uruguay. With hand on my heart, I cheer for Israel. <laughs> nice. <laughs> But I've never seen Canada against Israel, and I feel very Canadian, so I don't know anymore. Like, maybe when, if Israel plays Canada, I'd probably be just very fascinated by the whole occasion. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll come back to you when they play each other, and I'll tell you which one my heart really, you know. Yeah, we, we're gonna, we're gonna, gonna call you again when that happens. <laughs> we're, gonna watch, we're gonna watch the game and comment it live on Putin Bad <laughs> oh, I've always wanted to be a soccer commentator. We might do that for that episode because I also do know very little about soccer. I'm not very I German know, in that regard. I know mm. nothing of that sport at all. I have a question. Um, in Germany, how I obviously soccer is big, right? Yeah. But how do people treat it? Is it something that they kind of banter on like in the uk you know is it like americans about their american sports how is it that they kind of deal with soccer there i think uh in germany especially uh, soccer has especially when it comes to uh, on a on a world cup stage so obviously you have you have your your games um, your regional games all year and there are fans and if your parents are fans you're obviously born into that and this team is your team and i have seen grown men cry when uh, when Bayern Munich lost a game so mm. uh, I know that some people get super passionate about it now when it gets to the world stage I feel like there's another factor adding into that and um, I know this is controversial and many people German listeners are gonna shake their heads when I say that but I feel like um, the soccer world cup and euro cup is the only time we Germans get to be um get to have some way of national pride which mm. 
I personally find I, I don't like it. Like uh, when when I see cars driving around in, in national flags, and I see people have their balcony with German flags, it gives me the chills. I personally don't like it, um, and I feel like uh, I, I again I cannot compare the situation in Canada or in in, in other countries because I j just haven't lived there. But I I feel like it's um, it is the only time you get to scream Germany. Because otherwise, we don't just don't do that as a nation. Um, so I, I, I think we have a political level added in there. So I'm not saying it's a, it's this, it's a, uh, we're not get, getting um, nationalistic on on that in, in that level. But I, I do feel it gives people some legitimate legitimation and some freedom that you normally don't have because as a German, you do feel weird being proud being a German. If that makes any sense. Mm. I remember oh, when sense. I was in Germany, I asked you to buy a German flag because for the listeners, you have to know everywhere I go, I buy flags of the countries I visit and massive flags, not just little little things like big, big flags. And I remember your discomfort about me <laughs> trying to buy a German flag uh, in Berlin, I think. But uh, thank you for going through because I love my flag. <laughs> <laughs> But my favorite is the city of Hamburg. It's a very cool flag for people that are interested. Mm. Indexology. It's a Vexicology. It's a very cool map. Uh, a very cool flag, I mean, yeah. And their soccer team's flag is really cool, too. We have two, actually, in Hamburg. Two teams. So we, we have, have Hamburg and which one? Uh, St. Pauli. St. Pauli. Ah, which they're famous. St. Pauli is, is very, very good at marketing. They have, um, there's um, the pirate skull is their, their symbol. And they are very political um, soccer team. So they're very... They're the socialists. They're socialists. They're very left. They absolutely... They, I think they have... Again, I'm not a soccer fan. I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure they have almost no fascists in their, in their team, which is a problem many, many soccer teams have, but not St. Pauli. So that's one, way, one reason why I like it a lot. Yeah, they're like Antifa. They're like the 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 other side of the extreme. Yes, for the West, for the, for the left. And so I guess they're the, very the, fascinating. The people that live in that house where we hang out. Yeah, I remember in Hamburg it was a communist yes. house or something. They they support St. Pauli, I guess. Of course, you were deep <laughs> in the in the heart of St. Pauli when you when you were at that house. <laughs> I love that place. That it was amazing. So um. Uh, we're at the end of our second take, and uh, again, I would like to ask Ronan for his song. Oh, uh, can you come back to me? I come back to you. So <laughs> let's um, 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 then let, we go first, and maybe you come up with something. Otherwise, you can give us your song in the last take. Um, yeah. My song is um, it's a South American song. It's from Sergio Mendes and Brazil '66, and it's called Roda. My suggestion is, uh, I, I'm trying to get in the positive vibe today, and I'm going for an American all-time classic uh, of Remembrance of Better Times with some Glenn Miller, some, some big band jazz nice. music with the nice. song Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree uh, with mm. Anyone Else But Me. It's a very <laughs> jolly song, cute couple. Love that okay. song. Vibes. Um, I have a song. It's called Shoulders by Golden Vessel. Shoulders by Golden Vessel. All right. So, here you guys in the last take. Esteemed guests, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for inviting me to Berlin at the 7th Annual Conference on the renowned Columbia University. We have a saying in Germany, 50% of business is theology. On the one hand, the crisis revealed that there is a need for more governmental regulation. On the other hand, We have to find a way of drastically limiting the governmental interference into economic activities since the world since it would otherwise cause a permanent impairment of the growth drivers of free market economy. In Germany we try a fund solution on the initiative of the Deutsche Bank in cooperation with other banking groups brand Germany. the risk of credit crunch. Germany the a civic test we have to pass is Germany. still in the future. Every Germany. single member state has created Germany. unique Germany its own interest. Germany the passion Germany has survived. Germany which is the most important Germany. in my mind 
globalization and market economy are invisible, I consider this to be justifiable, that way we are accepted and appreciate desirable and well-coordinated actions, political crisis management has worked better for the stabilization of the United States of Germany. Can you hear me well? I can hear you. I don't know if our guest is already here because it seems like I he's, think he's on his way. He's on his way. Yes. <laughs> he's on his right. way. How are you liking it so far? First time we have a guest on the show. I think it's going pretty good. Oh, and now he's here. Welcome back, Ronan. Thank you. Ronan, I, have, I need your help here, okay? Uh, we, need yeah. to, we need to team up to do something, okay? So, as you probably heard in our last episodes, I've been to Germany to meet my good friend Simon, right? And I'm mm -hmm. trying to convince him to go to come visit me in Quebec, okay? You don't so need much convincing. This guy is all about Japan. No. You need. Okay. You, I, I know you lived in Montreal, right, Ronan? I also lived in Germany. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> Where in Germany did you live? Heidelberg. Heidelberg. Oh, it's beautiful there. <laughs> nice. So, so, so since you live in Montreal and I know you liked it, I need you to help me sell the city. And oh I mean, uh, to Simon for me. Tell me right about person. your experience living in Montreal. What <laughs> 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 the experience you had with the homeless guy in the synagogue? What? What? Oh my God. <laughs> 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 we need you, you need to help me to my friend Simon. Can you do that so, for me? Of course. So let me tell something about Montreal. I lived in various cities in the country and it's been I haven't visited Montreal, but then one time I went during summertime to visit some reunite with some friends who were living there. And I just I went there and I was like, where the hell am I? Like what is this place? This is not like the rest of Canada. The architecture is different. The People are walking everywhere. It's very active. It's just like this beautiful place. So I told myself, one day I'm going to have to move there. My parents convinced me not to go to university there because it's too much of a party town. And so I stayed in a small town <laughs> and studied there. And then literally the day I graduated, I was like, I got to go. I broke up with my girlfriend <laughs> of two years. And I was like, I got to go to Montreal. And so I just moved there. And... For the first months, I just moved there with like $2,000 and said, if I don't make it, I'll just, I'll, I'll come back home and, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I ended up having an amazing time. But one of the th first things I did um, as a Jewish person, you know, you go, you know, when you want to meet new people, wherever you go, you go to synagogue. That's where you meet fellow Jews and say hi and see what's going on in the city. So I go there. I came way too late, which I always do to everything. Um, I showed up really late, so I pretty much show up just for the food, which was very embarrassing, uh, because that's, I just like, I don't know anyone, no one invited me there. Um, but when I was there, I met this random guy who was kind of cool and he was dressed all right and whatever. And so it's just like, I'm talking to him and we're chatting a little bit because no one's really talking to me. And next thing I know, he tells me he lives in a homeless shelter and I was like, oh my God, that's, that's pretty rough. And like that really sucks. And so I was during the time I was like living on a very high moment of my life because I was so excited just being in Montreal in the city and and for many reasons. So I was like, hey, do you want to stay at my place for a while? And wow. So yeah, I invited him over to my house. I actually lied to my roommate who I just met because I just moved in there and I was like, Hey, my friend needs a place to stay for a while. Do you mind if we, you know, we host them? So I let him sleep in my room and I slept in the living room and I just felt like, you know, I wanted to get to know the guy and see if there's any way I can help him. And, you know, he's, he kind of sounded like a broken telephone. Clearly he was going through things. Um, a lot of stuff going on in his life. Um, it's very confusing to try. It's very hard to understand what he's really all about. If that makes sense. Um, so my goal was to just feed him as many sandwiches that I can because I made this really awesome schnitzel sandwich at the time. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so that's all I ate when I moved there. And so 
it was very cheap and economical, but great. And so I just kept feeding him that, thinking, okay, maybe it'll give him the power to kind of, you know, the, the energy and the encouragement to kind of go on to the next thing. And so he stayed for like three days. Um, and then I was like, okay, I think it's time for you to go on to your thing. I made him like 12 sandwiches that day when he had to leave. But then the next day, I'm cooking, doing my thing. And, you know, I grew up in a kibbutz, so I leave the door unlocked and everything. And then all of a sudden, I turn around and I see the guy. And I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, and why are you inside my house right now? And he was like... <laughs> <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, oh, my God. This is, I didn't expect it. Um, and how, how, long, how long after that was it? Like, when? how much time passed between him moving out and him returning and just showing up there? Oh, it was a day later. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and before, by the time he moved out, I kind of told, I don't know what, how it turned to be, but, you know, my, my roommate eventually found out that I don't really know the guy. And she was super pissed at me because, like, what the hell? Like, you know, we don't know this guy. I don't know him. Maybe he could have done, no, I wasn't always home when he was in the house. He was very, like, I wasn't really thinking through everything. Um not really sure what decision making was so she was pissed at me and so i was like oh this is a problem and so he, when he came back i felt really bad but i was like listen man, i'm sorry you can't stay like you know and i had to kind of ask them to leave at the time um so that was on my you know like second week maybe you're of living in montreal wow <laughs> Um, on my first week, I had $2,000, right? On, on my first week, I spent $500 out of my $2,000, just like eating and partying and just like, it was just, it, it's a sin city. You can, you can, there's not enough money to live in that place. Um, so, I mean, I, I just can go on forever about how awesome Montreal is. The, the trees, there's a lot of, a lot of parks. The, the, I've never seen a city with so many parks and people actually enjoying them. I don't, know, I don't remember what it's like in Germany, but uh, in many places in Canada, I find that people are almost shy about enjoying themselves at a park, like sitting down and just having a nice, I don't know, beer or whatever. It's actually legal in Canada. Um, it's illegal? But it, yeah, oh, the rest of, like, oh. most of Canada, you can't drink alcohol, but only in Quebec you can. Oh. I mean, it's, it's legal either, but it's tolerated. Like, basically, if you're just sitting down and you chat with a beer, chances are, if you're not an asshole to anyone... The police have better things to do than arrest you for that. Obviously, uh, yeah. It's actually, apparently the law is that you can have wine or beer if as you long eat. as you're having a picnic. Yeah, if oh. you eat, you're fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I just find that even that difference, it's not that I'm a big drinker or anything, but the fact that culturally they allow themselves in Montreal to enjoy themselves more in public and with friends and it's very encouraged to go out to the park after work and the work-life balance is a lot more real i really love that and all that means to me is that when i go to montreal i feel like i'm going to a different country wow <laughs> like I'm, yeah so i really like it but it's 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 not possible for you to to constantly live there is it um, I'm sort of, I'm committed to my career right now in government, which is here in Ottawa, which is two hours away from Montreal. Mm -hmm. If I can find something in Montreal that I would really love and it pays decent, it doesn't have to pay a lot, it pays decent, but it's consistently awesome. I probably would move to be honest. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, so as I said in the beginning, um, I don't need much convincing to, to go there and, and visit Philip. And since he's visited me here, um, it's more than fair that I finally go visit him. But as you guys know, right now, it's, it's easier said than done, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not counting the. If I could afford, I would go back for as soon as possible. For sure, I I loved Germany a lot. I had a great time there. So Germany's amazing. It's great, fantastic place. It's so cool. Yeah. So, Ronan, what did you do in Germany, and how long did you stay there in Heidelberg? Yeah. So, in my undergrad, I had to find an international internship to do something mm -hmm. that has to do with leadership and science and things that I was studying at the time. Uh, I had some contacts and I had a friend, I have a friend that lives there and his mom is a psychiatrist at a, at a private hospital. And I thought, you know what, at the time I wanted to become a doctor or kind of 
aiming towards that direction. So he told me, hey, if you want to come volunteer and work at the hospital in Hanover, like, feel free. Like, we'll, we'll have, you can stay with me and it'll be awesome. So that's what I did. I just showed up in Heidelberg and I was working and helping out in the hand and foot surgery department of the, uh, I was pretty, pretty much assisting surgeries by, you know, giving tools to the surgeon and keeping the openings of the cuts open and supporting and just observing a lot, just nice. about what they're doing. Um, and at the same time, I found a little uh, volunteering time on, on, after working hours, I went and worked at a refugee camp. Oh, that's great. You know, in, in Heidelberg, they have, they retrofitted a lot of their, they used to have a lot of American bases there. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so they retrofitted some of them for them to be refugee camp. During, you know, during the, refu- the refugee crisis that's happening in Europe, they, Heidelberg is certainly a spot there. Uh, so I spent time, with, you know, playing with kids and their families and just kind of running activities without having to say a single word because everyone spoke so many different languages. Nice. Um, that's, that's what I did. And it was so cool. My friend gave me a scooter. So I was driving around the whole city with a scooter and I met so many friends there. And I just, like, I really hope to come back. It's so beautiful. It was, I think it's the only city in the region that wasn't really bombed in World War II. Like, so they, they didn't have to be um completely restructured yeah. like uh, reconstructed so a lot of the the old city is i mean it's there it's completely intact it's it's really it's really a beautiful city if you're especially if you're a student i think it's it's just great to do to be there because they have very many small and nice bars where you can have a beer mm-hmm. and you have the beautiful castle a lot of beautiful nature around it it's it's lovely you know a fun fact uh about the so so two fun facts. Heidelberg University, I think, is the oldest in the country or in the region. Uh, yeah, I uh, think also, so. They also have, a, they used to have a student jail. A student um, jail? Yes. So in the old times of the university, I don't know how many long ago, I went to the museum. Um, now it's a museum, but pretty much when students would get too drunk or too rowdy, they would actually be put in a student jail. There was like a university jail. And wow. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, we're almost at the end of our episode. Um, do you have any any t- uh, since uh, since you are also in 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 quarantine and in this situation, you have any tips for uh, our listeners to how to overcome boredom and and uh, at home? Um. I personally don't find myself bored. I actually, before I answer that question, I want, I, I'm curious to know if you guys, have you guys finding them yourselves like um, motivated while you're in this quarantine? Are you less motivated? Do you find that you have more time to get things done that you haven't had a chance to do before? Because I find it that way. Like I find that now I'm taking the opportunity to do so many cool things. So I don't necessarily dislike it. Philip, you want to go first? Uh, I have a boring answer. Uh, no, I don't feel motivated at all. I feel more uh, as a slug as I've ever been. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, have many pro- I, have, I have so many projects that are off the ice right now. I feel like I've never played so many video games because I feel it's a great way to get uh, you know, out of th- this whole thing. It's a good way to just get your mind somewhere else. Totally. Um, and I, I, I'm still reading The Wheel of Time as much as I can too because... Uh, also a great way to get my mind outside of all these events and uh, the stress of thinking about my my father who might be sick i don't know and all all these things um so yeah i don't know i'm not very productive i've been doing a lot of uh, mind escaping if that's even an expression um hmm. what about you i I'm, i go, i have to say i'm i'm with ronan on that because i also feel more motivated to do it first of all i think it's just healthier to structure your day and to just keep doing stuff because otherwise you are likely to go crazy um but i i, I do feel the same and i think um i i kind of disagree with you because i think um the fact that we are um putting up our frequency of um of our podcasting is one uh one uh, ev- um, piece of evidence that shows that we are in fact a little more productive right. And I feel yeah, way right. more motivated to do that, and, and I think it, I'm very glad that we have this and uh, this opportunity to speak to people and 
um, and to to be creative at some point. Um, mm -hmm. Since I don't know if you heard, but I should be in Japan right now, um, which is super depressing for me to, from time to time. Like I, I watched the Studio Ghibli movie yes uh, last night, and that got me totally <laughs> depressed. But um, so I'm and, and I'm studying Japanese right now. I ha kind of have to force myself to study right now because it's just mm. you know every time I see a Japanese word, I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. If I was in Japan right now, I could use this word. Uh, so that that kind of hurts. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I, um, I, I do feel I'm more um, active. I'm also playing more video games, uh, which which I'm uh, I'm trying to. Uh, well, I'm, I would like to play even more, but my girlfriend gets mad at me when I'm sitting there on the couch next to her, and I'm just looking into my Nintendo Switch. So, um, yeah. But I, I do see this as an opportunity. Hmm. So both of you are both of you are taken men. Uh, you are no longer in the market. So I'm curious, how is it, you know, being in a relationship during this time? Um, if I go we're first... Situations. Then... Yeah, we have very different situations. Since you're living with your girl and I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm, Still, I'm living... Interesting. I'm, I'm living with my girlfriend and we know... We've, we've been together for a very long time. So I think the the threat of us, um, of, of, you know, finding out that... I don't know, the other person is uh, farting at night and it smells disgusting or, you know, someone has like <laughs> weird eating habits, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that risk is pretty low in my case. Um, so, But I do feel like um, situations can be more tense if, uh, you know, because you have to work, you have to, to manage all these things and you're constantly together. So I, I do find it very important to have rituals together that just, you know, kind of uh, get the edge of, of things. And I'm not talking about uh, about having sex. I'm talking about everyday hobbies <laughs> and stuff. Do you ever get to the point where you're like, why do you brush your teeth that way? You know, like, <laughs> look at them, do something. <laughs> I, you know, I, my, my girlfriend always sneezes when she br brushes her teeth. And it's and I, I have this weird habit of of um, that's very tough. That's hard to complete the task that way. And like I, I think it's at the end of after like after she she brushes her teeth. But I I, I have this weird habit of um, every time people sneeze around me, I mimic their sneeze every time. So you know they go like that's you, and I go that's you. Just I don't know. It's, it's I'm, I'm stupid, and um, and I do that with her. I do that with her as well, and I I, I do think she. Sometimes it, it, it pisses her off, but I just can't stop doing it. It's just a, a thing I do. But um, yeah, I don't know, Philip. How about you? Because you are in a relationship for not as as long as time as I am. So how is oh, the situation sure. there? Very much. Uh, I'll tell you something. It's it's stressful these days, and you have to understand something about where I live. Um, so I live. So the, the capital of Canada is Ottawa, right? But the the area called like the region of the capital national is also the city of Gatineau where I live, which is on the Quebec side. Um, my girlfriend lives in Ottawa and I live in Gatineau and the two cities are separated by bridges. And since they're in two different provinces, the premiers of the two provinces keep saying they might close the bridges soon. Oh. They might start, they might start to put police officers at the bridges to ask people, why are you crossing and everything? So it is getting more and more serious. How like yesterday I went to um, near Montreal to exchange tires with my dad so, so my car could get like my summer tires. He had them. And when I came back, my phone started ringing and saying like, oh, uh, you're going back to Ontario from traveling to Quebec. You have to uh, quarantine yourself for 14 oh, yeah. days. That's right. So it's getting more and more serious, I feel like. And they're even looking at our, our, our traveling now. So it's a bit stressful because since we're in the beginning of a relationship, uh, you know how it is at the beginning. You, you want to be together all the time. And yeah. It's very passionate. It's, let's, let's say it's very passionate. So if if they close the border for for two months, three months, uh, I don't know. It stresses me out a bit because we're still at the very beginning of a relationship. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Ronan, you're single. <clears throat> I'm a single man. So how is that going for you right now? Uh, well, Tinder is popping. I heard um, that, and I don't understand why. <laughs> I mean, let's just, I don't really know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I just find that because we're in quarantine and like, people are bored, half the, people are bored. I get bored too. So like, I find that it's actually hilarious to use it now because I, I have nothing to gain or lose. I just like, you know, just 
talking to talk people. To people. Yeah. Yeah, I just talk, say funny things, try things out, and it's like whatever. You know. It's, but it's just, but you wouldn't meet anyone right now, would you? No, but I would ask them on a Skype date. No. Oh. <laughs> Have you done it so far? Not yet. No. Mm. No. But uh, no, I don't. I don't have a need to be in a relationship, especially at this time. I just, you know, priority for everyone is to just get this crisis yeah, over with. Yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. No. So um, I think these were good last words. Um, do you have a third song for us, Ronan? Uh, yeah. Can you come back to me though? <laughs> yeah, of course. So, uh, Philip, how about you? Yeah, so I had this album I wanted to propose a song from, but I don't remember uh, which song are the best, but I'll go for it. Uh, I'll put just the first song of the album, Wordless Chorus by the band My Morning Jackets. Great album. The album is called Z, Z, the, like the letter. And uh, yeah, the first song um, is, is, is a wonderful song, Wordless Chorus. Highly recommend it to anyone. It's a very good vibe. Again, I feel it's a positive song. Uh, trying to get the moral up for everyone. All right, I I go with something optimistic as well, uh, only by the title. It's by the U.S. rapper Future, and the song is called Mask Off. Okay, okay, cool. Um, my song is going to be uh, Mind Games by this local producer called Versace, which is uh, spelled V-E-R-Z-A-C-H-E. I highly recommend this. Uh, this guy's from Toronto, and he has this really chill, cool music. I think it's perfect for like Saturday vibes, Sunday vibes. Um, highly recommend to both of you guys to take it out. Great. So, um, Ronan, it was great getting to know you, and um, th thank you very much for taking the time and joining us. And we hope I hope we we hear from you again on this podcast. Thanks. I feel like we're best friends now. Everybody More than best friends. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hope you had a good Thanks time. Yeah. Thank you. No, it was awesome. I really liked this. This was my first time participating in a podcast, and it's so much fun. Great. Okay, then take care. Um, hear from you again, and see uh, and hear everyone else uh, next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.